Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back. To late on a Sunday night to the Chase Thomas podcast. Last Sunday night episode of the year, man. Um, I think we'll do Matt Green. Um, I think we should do like the the college football playoff like reaction shows. We should probably do reaction pods. We'll get to that um, just when those are happening and after those games, just to have those fresh. But um, that is for a later date, Matt Green. Because guess what? We're here on a Sunday night. Fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. Yes, there is a lot a lot to happen before we get to the uh, to the college football playoff. Um, just who, who knows, who knows what the coaching carousel will look like by the time we get there. I hope we're wrapping up here, man. I hope the, the carousel is <laughs> wrapping up. I hope we're done. This is like, there's no question. This has been the, the most absurd of our lifetime, right? Uh, yeah, it's the craziest one I can think of. I mean, other than, um, the, uh, NCAA football, uh, video game days, you mm-hmm. know, with the coaching carousel, that would, that would get pretty nuts when you, when you look around at it. But, um, yeah, this is uh this is pretty crazy. And just in terms of just specifically like high profile jobs, it's it's kind of crazy just with just all the different jobs that have changed. Yeah, um, it's wild, and it's like there's just so much to get to. Well, let's let's start. This weekend was the Heisman ceremony. There are people that spend their evenings, Matt Green, who sit there on their couch and they just watch this show. That is not a good show. The, it's so serious and so boring that I, I can't do it. There's never going to be a time. Like, I'm not a, an award show guy in general. I think it's the biggest waste of time possible. Um, just say who got the award and let's keep it moving. Um, that's always been my philosophy. But uh, Bryce Young, he wins the Heisman. Uh, was this a, a stunner to you? It seems like it was inevitable after the Georgia game. But uh, any any surprises there for you? Yeah, it's kind of crazy how it went from like the most wide open Heisman race ever with a mm-hmm. week with a week left to basically one of the most lopsided Heisman votes ever. Like uh, Bryce Young got the tenth most first place votes in the history of the Heisman. Like it really was. There was no question. Like Aiden Hutchinson, I was shocked to him to finish second. To be honest, yeah. like I mean. Will and like when we talk Jordan Davis versus Will Anderson, like I think Will Anderson's a better player than Jordan Davis. But there's at least like they do different things, so you compare them differently. It's like Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson are the exact same type of player, and Will Anderson has like double the production, like 16 sacks, 30 tackles for loss. Like it's just absurd what he's done this year. So I was kind of surprised to see him uh, finish at fifth. Um, one point I will um, I'll agree with you on the Heisman ceremony. It's just like I think it went from like a three hour show. Now it's like an hour long show. They're like people are like, okay, <laughs> we don't really want to interview every single player's high school coach and their parents and all this stuff. I feel like that whole the whole award was just so drawn out um, years ago. But um, now they kind of they shorten it up. But so I'll agree with you on the Heisman. Um, award show i actually tuned in like right when bryce young was named so i saw exactly what i needed to see mm-hmm. um but the award show I, I like the award show i feel like they do they don't draw it out as much they just kind of like they just go through the awards give your all american teams and what i thought was cool i don't know if it was part of the award show or if it was part of like like, the, like i don't know kirk herbstreet had like a show like right after that but they did they went through the heisman voting which i thought that was really cool because 
there's times when some of these guys don't win individual awards, so they don't hear their name there. They weren't necessarily all Americans, so they might not be included there. But if they're top 10 Heisman, type 10 on the Heisman ballot, like, you're a big-time player. So I like that they, like, went through 10, 9, 8, 7, and just kind of gave gave you the, the finishing of all the guys that weren't going to be at the ceremony. I thought that was kind of cool. That was the first time I've seen that this year. Hmm. That's fair. I It is funny that we there was just so many questions. Like, there's no true Heisman this year. Like, I think that's a really good point, is that for the majority of this year, that it was just that, like, we could not figure it out. And we talked about Jordan Davis as a Heisman guy on this very podcast. Um, if Hendon Hooker gets a full season, like, he's the favorite. We can all agree on that. But I... Uh, I don't know. I think this was kind of inevitable, but I I felt kind of bad for Kenny Pickett, man. What else could he have done? Like, what else could Kenny Pickett have done? I guess not lose to Western Michigan, but that's a, that'd be a good start. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they they did win the ACC, but I think if they were in the playoff, mm-hmm. I mean, he had a great year. Bryce Young is just a dynamic talent. Like, I don't think there's anything Kenny Pickett could have done. Clearly, if you look at his numbers, like he had a ridiculous season. But I was gonna say, like Pickett never had like a bad game. Like Bryce Young had some stinkers. Like it wasn't like it. it I don't know. I felt like a narrative, like the Avalanche towards the end where he played his best football when it mattered. But like Kenny Pickett didn't fall apart. He, like you said, he won the ACC and then went off and had maybe the most iconic uh, quarterback play of the year. <laughs> Like, he got a rule banned. Like, he got a whole thing like, banned. the quickest rule ever. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, everyone's been bitching about the targeting rule for, yeah. like, five years now. Um, they just, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll tweak it. Like, they don't know what to do. Like, they, they changed it, like, this week. Like, mm-hmm. they were like, okay, we can't have anyone doing that again. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Um, but that's a valid point. I think there's probably a little SEC bias in there. Three straight. Because... Because of Auburn, like mm. that, that's not a big game, you right. know, but it's the Iron Bowl. So it like, that's like his Heisman moment. It's like, that's like a Tim Tebow NFL moment right there. You're just trash for three and a half quarters and then you, then you leave the, the game winning touchdown at the end. Like, yeah. you, you, you lose your job doing things like that, you know, mm-hmm. but, but that is kind of funny. Like that was Bryce Young's Heisman moment and that was a pretty poor performance, mm-hmm. but since he followed it up with, you know, just absolutely dismantling the number one defense in the country and Georgia. Like, yeah. And he's just a dynamic player, too. It's like there's certain guys that, like, fit the eye test, too. It's just like he's got the numbers. Like, because we see college football players all the time in certain systems and certain conferences that put up just stupid numbers. Like, he has the numbers, but he's also just a dynamic playmaker and – I, I can't really disagree with, with Bryce Young uh, finishing number one. That, that's how I would have voted it. I wouldn't have. I mean, I would have gone, like, the more I digged into the Will Anderson stuff, like, that that was probably the most ever looked like. We'll go back and we'll be like, wow, we that's really fair. we really messed this one up. Because um, if you're going to go Hutchinson, too, that tells me that they were, like, Hutchinson was great. And obviously, there were, like, I think I sent you the gif of what he did to that left tackle for Ohio State on that play. Do you remember that? Yeah just yeah just you got to retire like he told him ahead of time like i'm i'm going to knock you over and then he proceeded to knock him over it was it was great um it's one of the reasons we just love football for that kind of disrespect but i don't know i just think that bryce young like we talked about early this season man he had some stink bombs and i i think bryce young's awesome i think he's a really likable kid um i think he's probably one of my more favorite uh alabama quarterbacks um and he was just enjoyable and he was he's 
he's undersized. He has a crazy release. He's quick. He has a great downfield accuracy. Quiet assassin. I, I get all that. Best player on the best team. Maybe. Oh, he's constantly been overlooked. That's what we got to get to. It's that thing <laughs> where I'm just like, what? no, 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 no. This quote should have been Kenny Pickett. Like, that's a Kenny Pickett thing of just being like, I've always been ruled out and kind of for- doubted. For me, it's always been about not really proving them wrong, but proving to myself what I can accomplish. Um, I guess the way to spin that, the way to spin that, and people are immediately post tweet like quote tweeting about like he was a five star and all of his stuff at california but the one thing that i went to matter day high school like one of the national power where jt daniels went right yeah and i think matt barkley too Mm -hmm. mark sanchez may have gone there they've they've got a long line of of big time quarterbacks they're no collins hill um (laughs) state champs state champs hey the only time the only year i ever played football uh in my life i was i was a console eagle so i'll, I'll rep that high school or like back under in, back in third grade okay <laughs> did you really not play football outside of that no i was um usually more of a basketball player huh but um i yeah, played football longer than you i don't think well, anyone on the pod um, would believe you know, that it doesn't ruin my credibility here with our audience but um no yeah. It's fine. No, it doesn't ruin it, but it's more of a surprise. That's all. I'm just taken aback that I played significantly more football than you. What uh? What was your number? Uh, twenty six. Is there a, is that is there a reason for number twenty six? No, not really. Like I I like no, I like the twenty. I might have wanted twenty three for Jordan, and that might not have been available. And then Is I a big big Clinton Portis guy. Love Clinton Portis. I was um, always a Clinton Portis guy. That's the only, only twenty six I could think of off the top of my head. I was always oh I shouldn't say always. I was one year. I was number thirty for uh, mm. for my guy Terrell Davis. Okay. Um. I, now I want to go back. I don't remember Young Chase like why I did that. Why I picked twenty six? Because now I'm curious why I ended up with that um because i'm trying to think i was like ricky waters i don't know i'm just i i don't know i gotta think about this i'm, I'm not sure i think ricky oh, waters yeah, is 34 I think, yeah i don't think he was ever 26 i think i'm a 32 i think mm-hmm. with the maybe that's right san francisco curtis martin Seattle. i don't think i was a curtis martin guy though that's no, what i'm I saying i don't know 28 man yeah i don't know you're you're a good uh number guy i think you could uh... i feel like you're hit my i my my sweet spot as mm-hmm. far as like those like the people i grew up watching like mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. That's a good question. Now I want to ask my parents. I'm like, did I ever give y'all a reason as to why? I remember why I was always number three in basketball forever because Allen Iverson's always been my favorite player. But um, that was easy. But 26, I never... I, I don't know. But I was 26 from fourth grade up to high school. Mm, that's when I left. That's fair. I was, I was always 10 in, high, in basketball. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really feel like that was for anybody. I think okay. it's kind of a family number. Like multiple... Multiple of us rocked uh, number 10, but... Uh, Interesting. I was always seven in baseball. Hmm. I got Craig Biggio. <laughs> that was my guy back in the day. I don't remember any baseball number I had. And I made all-star games. Like, I was good at baseball, too. But, like, I don't remember any of my numbers in baseball for some reason. I'm, was I 26, too, in baseball? Maybe I carried it over. I don't remember any baseball numbers. And I think it's because you wear those jerseys and you just remember what team I was. Like, I remember being the Twins and I remember being, like, that kind of stuff. I don't remember what number I was wearing, though very often yeah i remember i was seven a few times then one one Mm. year we got to be the astros yeah and my like best friend chose number seven like his dad was the coach i was like Mm. bro biggio astros what's (laughs) your problem man that's my number man 
as a seven-year-old, however however old I was. And now we got Kevin BGO playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. His son. Very true. It's crazy. But yeah, bring it back to Bryce Young, though. Mm-hmm. The Heisman winner, the, the, the underdog story. The... Well, the reason... Oh, yeah, that was the reason <laughs> we were going to say that. So the one thing I will say is I guarantee you that kid got doubted a bunch when he was younger because he was undersized and I think he probably told people that he was going to be a football player or he wouldn't be a quarterback and they were like, uh, think about how much we've, like, think about how different we view quarterbacks now versus 10 years ago in terms of height and like how many teams would just take Paxton Lynch or Brock Osweiler because of their height and there was something about uh, height matters over everything else and like the big the Jamarcus Russell's types where it's just like there's this innate fascination by so many um, smart college football people that were obsessed with that and then it permeated into the NFL and stuff like that but like the cannon arm the big type like it was just you did not see the Russell Wilson's and Drew Brees's like you do now and now they're just everywhere Bryce Young I do uh, like if he's coming from it from that perspective like I told people I want to be a quarterback growing up and they were just like you're not big enough I could see that of him having to constantly prove people wrong of like yeah I'm undersized and I'm barely six feet or whatever but I'm still going I have the arm talent and the football IQ that I'm going to become a five-star quarterback in high school and i'm going to be the best player in the nation at some point like i i think that's probably true. i honestly i can't buy it at all oh because if you think about it like if if you went to high school and the starting quarterback ended up playing at like wofford or something mm. everyone would be like this dude's a baller you know like he's a stud he's a d1 quarterback you know like if you saw Bryce Young play at, in high school, probably in middle school, probably in elementary school, I bet he's the fastest person on the entire field. He's mm. got a rocket arm. Like, I don't know. I just, I understand you're, you're small. And like, maybe they started to question you in like 10th, 11th grade or something. Cause you didn't have the prototype height or something. But like this dude was a, like the third highest, like third best odds to win the Heisman trophy this year. Like w- without ever starting a game in college, like, Second ranked player in the country, like five star, number one quarterback, like powerhouse high school. Like, well, speaking of powerhouse you, high school, you by the way, the motivation you need. But let's 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 not make this a underdog story over here. Can I tell you, or can I share with you this thing that I saw today? Yeah. Did you Hit see me. where Hoover head the Hoover head coach is going? Oh, it's somewhere in Georgia, right? Our old stomping ground, sir. Our old stomping grounds. He's a red elephant now. Really? Who leaves Hoover for Gainesville? That's interesting. Where's is he from Georgia? Josh Niblett. I don't think he is. I'm pretty sure he's from Alabama. That's uh I mean Gainesville is like a a low key, like big time program, but yeah, that's strange. Is that not weird? I don't know. I saw that and I was like, what in the world? And he's been electric at Hoover. Um, I think he's won six titles at Hoover. Like he's he's picked up right where Propes has left off. Does this open the door for the prodigal son to return? <laughs> Who does? God, that'd be the best. I would watch that and I better get another reality show from that. Better get another one. Um, Man, Red Elephants went five and five this year. Okay. Two, two and four in uh, in region play. They're in uh, are they in seven A now? Yeah, they're one of those because they're a city school. Mm-hmm. You're, you're aware of that? Aware of that? Aware of like whether or not they're a city school? Like I'm saying, are you aware that they're a city school? Mm-mm. 
like so like Buford, Marietta, Gainesville, like yeah. They basically you can pay tuition to go there. They can essentially like kind of give scholarships, right? Like they oh, have the same rules of public and private school. So you can live in Gainesville's district and go there, but you can also like recruit people like to I go didn't know that. They don't live in district. Yeah. Like so that's like the the benefits that those city schools have that aren't county schools. So, so you like could be ant- living in like the North Georgia mountains and still pay to go to Buford. Yeah. And I think, hmm. I don't know how it works. Like as far as like if they're given scholarships or something, if I, I imagine if you're like a stud athlete and your kid's moving in, like you, you don't have to pay for them to go to school, but I don't know, maybe they do. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's some sort of system like a loophole for those like city schools. And so that's why mm-hmm. they kind of, they kind of adjusted those classifications. So they're not, they don't actually have the population of a 7A school, mm-hmm. but because of their, that advantage, they kind of bu- boosted them up. That's like kind of the same thing that happened with Buford. Interesting. Yeah. So um, I mean, they do have some things going for them, but um, yeah, interesting to see them leave Hoover. There you go. Um, high school football. We love it here on this very podcast. Uh, great weekend. Uh, I don't know why they play at Georgia State now. Oh, I guess the deal. I was talking to my grandfather about that. Hey, Papa. Um, and he watched all the games and he's all into high school football like myself. But um, we were Turner about- Field. I refuse to call it whatever <laughs> Central Park Stadium or something. Is we're that what it's called? I think so. It's okay. like a corporate sponsor, I think. Mm like yes. central park but i think it's like a that's like a brand name or something I, i've seen there's some sort of logo on the side of the stadium well my point was that like it's kind of a bummer right like i i understand like the field's nice and that was what papa was saying was just that like the field is really nice and really slick and it seems like people do like but i'm like i don't know if i was a player and i got to the finals i just and the bins is right over there if i'm coming from south georgia to play in the finals in the high school state title game i want to go to the bins and that was like a cool thing i imagine for those kids especially when you open at the quirky kale and stuff like that i just imagine that that is a much cooler and easier way to get kids psyched up than going to play at georgia state i I don't know that's just for me but i'm he thinks it's probably a better deal right always playing in the dome was just yeah yeah, like that was like that was the thing like you're playing to get to the dome like Mm. like so that was always a cool thing. Now they have this super nice stadium and now the high school kids can't play in it. Like that just seems lame. <laughs> I agree. Um, Come on, Arthur Blank, do better. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I would love to talk with the GHSA about this and be like, why did you, there has to be something like that. We don't, that we're not privy to about it. Um, but what we are privy to is the transfer portal, Matt Green, because that's open. That's open for public knowledge. That was a huge mistake early on um, because the NCAA doesn't uh, do anything particularly well. Uh, the rollout of the portal was obviously a huge red flag when uh, players could just enter it without coaches knowing and players could just pop up and it was public knowledge and then it could come out before anyone else knows it um, and then it can just get awkward. Um, it's not a great process. Uh, cats out of the bag. Can't fix it now, I guess, but... Um, the sub, just a stunner this evening, sir. We're recording late on a Sunday. Bo Nix, longtime quarterback at Auburn. His dad played quarterback at Auburn. Seems like just an Auburn lifer. Like he was huge get, five star kid from Alabama. Um, and his name's in the portal. He's not transferred, so wherever he goes, he will be uh, eligible immediately to start somewhere else. Um, man, I don't know. This is weird. Uh. I guess part of it is another offensive coordinator. So there's been a lot of turnover 
at Auburn uh, in recent years. So you go from Malzahn now to Bobo, now to the next guy um, because Bobo was obviously relieved of his duties. And I don't think Auburn's had a new OC yet, have they? Um, not to my knowledge. So um, yeah, it's this craziness. Sorry, keep going. Well, I thought that that would make more sense is to wait to see who the new OC is before you transfer because it's like I don't see a scenario where he's not the starter next year. So. I don't think TJ Finley showed anything to suggest that that is the quarterback you want to go into battle with in 2022 with the SEC West being what it is, especially with Brian Kelly coming into the fold. Um, I don't know. I think this is odd and I am incredibly fascinated to see where he goes because it seems unlikely he leaves the SEC, right? Like where, where do you see as a fit? And do you think this is a, a big time problem for Auburn? Man, as far as a fit goes, uh, I have no clue. Like if, like, I feel like he could run multiple offenses. You're obviously going to want to go, want him to go somewhere and utilize his athletic ability. But, um, yeah, it's just, like you said, he's he's so Auburn that it, th- this just totally caught me off guard. I have a question for you. Mm. If you need a quarterback, you're in the portal. You're a team entering the transfer portal. You're, you're viewing the transfer portal. Um, and you have your choice of Bo Nix or Max Johnson. Who are you going with? Uh, I So the kind of quarterback I am, I would probably, um, hmm. I think the kind of, or the kind of coach I would be rather, I would not have fun with Bo Nix as my OC. Like the, re- like him just doing his own thing as much as he does. Like it, I think he kind of gets too much crap from that from time to time, but I also just don't think that would be for me um, as the kind of coach I am. But if I'm a, I don't know. I, I think I would go Max Johnson. I think the ceiling is higher for Bo Nix, but I think the floor is lower than Max Johnson. So I would probably err on the side of caution and go Max Johnson. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I um, I think you're also biased towards the lefty. <laughs> I, I I love a good southpaw, but I don't know. I think Max Johnson showed some stuff too. Um, I, I I don't know. I I think it'd be I would understand both perspectives, but I also think it just depends on team to team and scheme to scheme. Where I think Bo Nix makes some like Bo Nix would be an awful fit for Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou, for instance. Like that's just a terrible fit in what they try to do. Like Max Johnson is the exact type of quarterback you would want there. And Connor Basilek and him, it's just a left-handed version. But if you're yeah. looking for a, like, I don't even think Kurt, like Todd Monken could handle Bo Nix. Like, I don't think that scheme would work for him whatsoever. I think Max Johnson would be a better fit there, but I've, 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 we've talked before about like, I wonder what Bo Nix would be on Georgia's team mm. where he's just kind of in a way better situation and maybe not having to run for his life all the time. Like, I wonder like if his talent could kind of shine through because I feel like Bo Nix has some ability. Do you know where you should go? Just, what's that? Oregon. That's the move for him. Follow Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. Go and Don't hate that. I get away from the South. Clear your head. Go to Oregon. Um, he seems like such an SEC guy, but yeah. that probably would be for the best. Kind of like the Jacob Eason thing. Just get away. Well, like, what if you just went to like South Carolina? Well, I think South Carolina might get Rattler. It seems pretty... There's really? some stuff with Shane Beamer and Rattler. I, I don't know. I would not be surprised if Shane Beamer... Or if, that, if Spencer Rattler wound up in, in South Carolina. Let's just I say thought, that. I thought uh, Rattler was going to go to Knoxville. 
Hendon Hooker but, just but signed up. You were up. leading that campaign, weren't you? I, I just love the idea of uh, Heupel just having his pick of uh, quarterbacks. I'm not sure Spencer Rattler's good. Like, I'm not sure where we're at. I, I don't know, man. He was bad, and it just got worse, and I, I just... Hey, you know, they're like, I, I don't want to do another Joe Milton. I'm good. I, I don't want any, I want proven track records at this point. Hendon Hooker was good at Virginia, like Virginia Tech, not going with Hooker last year and going with Burmeister. Big, big red flag, big mess up there, uh, Justin Fuente, and he's no longer the coach. Um, yeah, no I don't problem. know. Hooker, but I, I do think that Tennessee will need, and we should mention that Hooker is not going to the draft, that he will be back next year. Um, but, Taven Jackson's coming into the fold, four-star from Indiana. He's been one of the recruiting leaders for this group. But I do think Tennessee needs to add at least one more high-profile name. I think you need company. You cannot just go in with Milton, Taven, and uh, um, uh, Joe Milton. So I think it would be different, too, if Caden Salter wasn't kicked off the team in the spring, like our big-time recruit, uh, the first one for Heupel. Um, he's going to be good. He's going to be a Heisman candidate at Liberty probably in a year or two. So that's going to be tough to see, but he was kicked off after a couple months, but super talented kid. And it would have been nice to have him still in the fold, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just think Bo Nix and where he goes is going to be super interesting. And clearly things are not going well at Auburn, right? Like there were still questions if Brian Harson was going to go to Washington or even Oregon or whatever. Like I have no idea what to make of Auburn at the moment and where they're headed as a program. Cause it seems like they're a mess. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy too how how quickly it all changed. Like, mm. what did they start like six and two, seven and two, or something like that? And like, and then I think they went winless in the month of November, and it just kind of their season just completely derailed. So, um, like, if they don't keep the Bama game close, we look at this as like a disaster. Like, are we sure you bring back Carson? Like, I think that saved a but, lot that that was the last image of Auburn. Um, I mean that's. I don't think how serious is any firing talk after one year though, you know, like there obviously there's like off the field, you know, anti-vax or whatever stuff going on with, with a Brian Harson speculation at least. Mm. Um, but I don't think you can really consider firing because I mean, at the end of the day, is, are anyone, is anyone counting an almost win over Alabama? It's like, yeah, your team like put together a good performance, like for, all things considered, but it's Auburn, Alabama. It's the Iron Bowl. Like you lost. Like that's that's basically it. Like they're not feeling good about almost winning. I'm sure. All right, let's make a prediction on where Bonex ends up. Uh, you go first, and I'll go. I'll go. Oh man, yeah, your Oregon, your Oregon prediction was was nice. I like. I'm not that, putting that but... in my prediction. I just think oh, that okay. if I'm, but that's not my prediction. I don't think that's what he's going to do. But if I was him, that's what I would strongly consider. Well, you have some inside information, sounds like, with Spencer Rattler, but um, I'm going to go South Carolina. I like Ooh. I like how that fits. Okay. I'm staying at SEC. I think he goes to um, Ole Miss. Oh, see, I just... He looked at Matt Corral. I think Lane will get better. I think he'll get someone better than that. Interesting. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, guess I just see Ole Miss being one of the more attractive destinations for a, for a transfer quarterback. I, I wonder... If I'm Arkansas, I'd get in the mix too. Push KJ Jefferson a little bit. I would. Uh, I would. I would. See, I don't think that's an option because KJ Jefferson. I think he's solidified at that position. Like he's okay. not a superstar, but he's solid. Um, Quinn Ewers got his million, dipped out of the state of Ohio. They're still fine. They got McCord, Stroud. They're okay. They don't need Quinn Ewers. It was a shocker that he ended up at Ohio anyway. NIL stuff was involved. Um, 
reclassified. Now he will be going back to where we all thought he was going to go originally, which is the University of Texas. The thing, though, with this is Malik Murphy, also a five-star superstar in waiting, is also at Texas. We're seeing this a little bit across the board. Um, this is a problem. I think more and more coaches are figuring this out. But Money Jones had a really good tweet about this a few weeks back uh, where he was like, it's it's all fun and games to play this quarterback carousel where you just accumulate five stars and four stars at quarterback and just have this talented rim. It, it's all great and it works until you turn into Kevin Sumlin. And that's a possibility. And it's just that like someone, do you remember what happened with Kyler and Allen and Johnny? And like he was doing all this and then he just lost everyone because he couldn't keep everyone happy. So it just went from having all the five stars and four stars to none at all. And it can change on a dime. And then it's like we're turning to Trevor Knight and friends to keep our season. Hey, to Trevor Knight had an excellent season for the Aggies that year. Well, yeah, sure. But the thing is, like, they had to do that. <laughs> like, that's what they were having to do after just being quarterback you. Very, it, it just, it can change on a dime. And this is what I, like, told Georgia friends. It's like, Vandergriff's gone. Like, this is not going to be a thing. If Gunnar Stockton is on campus next year, you're not, like, all these kids are not staying there. They want to get drafted. They want opportunities to play. And you get a free waiver, like, you don't have to even sit out anymore. These kids are not going to stay there for four years. But and that's wait. why, but, yeah. but you don't have to. But that's why you, you do try to just get whoever you can get and let it sort itself out because these guys are going to are gonna just... They're going to leave and... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they can start. But I mean, you're not, sure you're not under the delusion one. that they're keeping Vandergriff, Stockton, and if, especially if Bennett comes back next year and gets that. Like, there's no way. Well, Vandergriff and Stockton will definitely be there next year. Oh, I disagree. But Carson Beck, I'm sure, will be gone. And if Bennett's mm. back, I'm sure JT Daniels will probably leave, too. So there's going to be at least one, maybe even two transfers for Georgia um, at the quarterback. Mm. But but the young, the young guys, like... Like they they have no reason to transfer yet. Like they have plenty of time to still play and compete for the job and everything. So, like, like Stockton, like he he said he wants to play at Georgia, you know. So might as well come in and compete at Georgia. If it doesn't work out, just go somewhere else. So you might as well choose, go with your first option uh, right out of high school. I'm just not going to forget about Texas and yours. It's just that like yeah, he'll probably be good, whatever. But it's Texas. Texas was a disaster this year. But it's also just like why Texas is so frustrating as a program, right? They just can get these guys because it's they're it's home, and they're like it's just easy, and they can't figure it out. Like Texas not being able to figure this out is just man. I would read any book on this to completely explain to me how they continue to to fumble the bag in this way because there's just no excuse for Texas not just being a juggernaut every single year. There's no excuse. That's what I see when I see the Quinn Ewer stuff. Is they don't deserve Quinn Ewers. They've done nothing. They just are in the right yeah. area. Without a doubt. I um the, the recruiting has not been an issue for them in mm. these recent these recent year these recent struggles they've had. Like it's um it kind of blows your mind how they can just continue to not be not be very competitive. But it was year one of Sarkeesian. He, he's I think he's a good coach, so we'll see. A lot could change. I wonder I don't wonder what this uh what Arch Manning is thinking about this. Yeah, I don't care. We still got another long time. Like, I don't care about the arch. Manning <laughs> we got a whole year for arch. Like, let's just well, let's get through this year before we even get to the the arch uh, Manning um, thing. But uh, let's talk co- coaching carousel because the biggest stunner thus far, I think, might be your guy Dan Lanning dipping for Oregon and the combination of Justin Wilcox telling the Oregon Ducks no, which is reportedly the second time he's done that to remain at Cal. All kinds of crazy stuff. 
Um, Cristobal goes to Miami. Manny Diaz goes to Penn State to be DC. Um, Tony Elliott leaves Clemson. So they're down to nothing. We'll get to Clemson in a second. But let's start with your guy, Dan Lanning. Um, Must champ back. (laughs) Co-DC with, uh, what's the other guy's name? Schumann? Is that his last name? Yeah. Yeah, I I I wouldn't say this was the most surprising. It might be... It's a big job, Lanning to Oregon is kind of surprising but he's yeah. been he was in talks with oklahoma you know he's kind of his name was thrown out there like he's been thrown out there a few times with some of these openings so it's not necessarily surprising i felt like cristobal leaving oregon for miami like i know he's a miami guy and everything but that that seemed like a questionable or like the biggest surprise to me other than like mm. obviously the lincoln riley and brian kelly and all that stuff there's been so many surprising things uh with this coaching carousel but but yeah, Dan Lanning, I think um if if Georgia I think Georgia fans are are pretty pretty good with that. Like Dan Lanning's a a very good defensive coordinator, but you know Kirby's defensive minded and you know Will Muschamp is uh and Glenn Schumann, like the, the defensive recruiting is in good hands and everything. So as much as much as people talk about Will Muschamp and uh not being a good head coach, I, I think uh, we all know he's a he's a great defensive coach. So I think um, this is a this is a loss that Georgia will be able to fairly easily recover from. Um, I, I thought it was interesting how many recruits you saw go to Twitter and just be like immediately like, you know, I'm still locked in, I'm, I'm still a dog, you know, all that. Like, you don't necessarily need to say something like that when when a defensive coordinator is leaving. But with what we've seen from Clemson, with Venables going to Oklahoma and Tony Elliott going to Clemson or going to Virginia, like and all these decommits happening, like um, I guess that's why you see him doing it. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a big time job for for Dan Lanning. I'm, I'm shocked to hear that a coach would rather stay at Cal than than Oregon. It's wild, um, and just Cal doesn't have the resources, and there's all kinds of reasons as to why the Cal job is so tough and continues to be tough going forward. But yeah, I, um, I think if you're like for the Oregon fans who are listening, how would you rate Dan Lanning's performance in UGA? How much would you credit him for what UGA has done defensively, especially even like this year and his recruiting efforts and his scheme and stuff like that? How much like, can you separate Dan Lanning from Kirby? I'm not sure you really can at all. Okay. Like, like if you're talking, like I think Georgia fans would be more worried about Glenn Schumann leaving than Dan Lanning, because Glenn Schumann is kind of like that ace in the hole. Like he's one of the the two people, along with Mel Tucker, that Kirby brought with him from Alabama when he got the job at Georgia. So it's like they they've ha- they had a defensive coordinator that left, and then. Dan Lanning took over. So he's not the one that was there when Georgia built what they, when Kirby built what Georgia is, is right now. But, um, I mean, he's still definitely a very good defensive coordinator. I mean, he was, uh, one of the finalists for the Broyles award. So he's obviously very good at his job. I, um, I get like, I guess if you're just, if you're trying to figure out like what he is, like, I guess he's similar to Cristobal and the fact that he's a defensive minded guy and he's, he's young and he's a recruiter. And so I guess you're trying to keep that same kind of guy, but he has no real ties to the West coast, but you know, maybe that, maybe that's not the most important thing. Maybe you want a guy that can get talent from the Southeast and, and bring it up to the West coast. Hmm. I'm interested to see who gets this OC. Who do you, do you think they bring someone from Georgia or no? Um, it's possible. I just, 
I think Georgia just is such a better job as an assistant that, I mean, this is the six years of Kirby Smart. This is the fourth guy that's become a head coach in just his first six years as a head coach. So like a fourth power five head coach has come from his staff. So if if you're the the quarterback coach at Georgia or co-offensive coordinator of some sort of title like that, like that's, that's a better job. Or maybe if you're, a guy like Buster Faulkner. I don't know if you know that name. Oh yeah, um, you know Buster Faulkner went to Parkview. Parkview guy, yeah. yeah. So he was off. He was a Southern Miss offensive coordinator under Todd Munkin, I believe. Um, and he's just like an offensive analyst right now for Georgia. So it, he seems like almost the the coordinator in waiting potentially if if Todd Munkin gets another job. So I think Georgia fans, if Todd Munkin just took a new head coaching job, they'd be a little rattled. Like even though Georgia's offense hasn't been great. Like, I feel like a lot of it's been the personnel and the, the quarterback position being so uneasy. I think Todd Monken has done an excellent job for what he's had. Yeah. Um, on the ACC side, there was two kind of stunners a little bit. Um, I, I'm not shedding a tear for anything Clemson right now. But do you feel like this is too much change for Dabo to to survive here do you think this is actually it like that we could see clemson fall back down to earth relatively quickly losing tony Elliott to uva losing uh venables to oklahoma and then losing his ad to miami i think it's definitely possible so yeah like you said tony Elliott to virginia and venables to oklahoma like and you've already seen now three decommits this week they've had uh, three top 100 players, all from IMG Academy, uh, decommitted from Clemson. That's the same number. They've had the same number of decommits this week that they've had in the last five recruiting classes combined. Like, that is just absurd right there. So, like, you understand Lincoln Riley, he is Oklahoma, right? So, he goes to USC. Now, Oklahoma's not as attractive. You know, if I'm committed to Oklahoma, now I might be more interested in USC. So, you you saw all that immediately on the recruiting trail. All these decommits that Oklahoma got, but but Dabo Swinney, like this is the guy we've talked about incorrectly talked about being one A and one B with Nick Saban, right? Like we've put him up here. He's the second best coach in all of college football, and you got guys decommitting because assistants are leaving. Like just the the sheer number of decommits we've seen, and just like a couple guys hitting the transfer portal. Like this is. This is not something we've seen from Clemson. And on top of the athletic director leaving too, like you're coming off a nine and three season, potentially 10 and three if you win the bowl game. Like this could easily be another nine and three season the next year. And like, are they going to be better next year? Like, did DJ Uyungalale show you anything that, that makes you think Clemson's going to be better next year? So I, I think this could be, this could be very alarming. And if they get like, considerably worse on one side of the ball like i guess specifically the defensive side of the ball with venables leaving like this i wonder if it could be the end of the uh, of clemson's run of just being a, a powerhouse you know because they weren't a powerhouse before you know 2014 right like they've been a good college football program for the last 30 years but what maybe a top 20 program maybe you know they haven't been anything special but this last five six years they've just been you know, right there with Alabama. So it's, you had to think that like, this wasn't going to last forever, but I think it's crazy. It would be just crazy if it, if it starts to deteriorate while, while Dabo Swinney is still the guy. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think this, like, 
how long do we think Dabo keeps this going? Like, I am so curious to see how they replenish this room. And I'm curious to see how much of a hot commodity um, these positions are. Because you know Tony Elliott's going to be going after dudes um, for the Virginia Post. And um, we'll have to see who the na- new AD is. But they have a lot of money, and we'll see how that works. But, man, if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm a little bit nervous. But I'm also just that, like, okay, Clemson's had the best – like we talked about Alabama a lot. Clemson's had the best 10 year run um, over the last decade. Like they have been the best college football program the last decade. And that's Next Alabama. I think they've been better in Alabama. No, they, there's no chance they've been better than Alabama. I think they have. They've won two I, national championships in the last 10 years. It's not Alabama's the same. won like five. What is their record? <laughs> They're two and two against each other. That's what I'm saying. Like that. And they beat I, Alabama a couple times. Alabama beat them a couple times. And also won like a couple more national championships. There's no way you could say Clemson's been better than Alabama. I think they've been. And you know the, the competition Clemson's been facing is questionable at times. I don't know, man. Like 120, 103 and 22 um, all time. They had like an 82.4 winning percentage. Over that, like I don't know, Matt. This well, what's Alabama over that? What Probably I am saying, better. what I am saying is, I think it was more impressive at Clemson than what's like. I, that's all I'm saying. Like I think they're very close, and if I'm giving it to one or the other for what they've been able to do and how crazy it is they've been able to do it, and even go toe to toe and beat Saban on multiple occasions, I think it's more impressive. I think they've been. I the, mean, I'll, I'll, I can understand you there, like just elevating them to the level of powerhouse for a, such a sustained period there is definitely impressive. Yeah, from 2010 to 2020, they were 117 and 23. Just preposterous. Like I so like if they fall down a little bit in your Clemson and you're like this kind of six it's like do you see what you got? Every college football fan would kill for that kind of run. Kill for that kind of run. Clemson had an amazing run. If it starts to fall apart, you got a 10-year dynasty, man. Like you had a great run. A decade of dominance. A decade. You got Deshaun Watson. You got Trevor Lawrence. You got Trevor Lawrence who won a national title as a freshman. True Can freshman. You give him a decade of dominance? Yeah. That's that's dominance. They ran the ACC for a decade plus. Because they didn't run it. I mean, uh, Florida State won the national championship in 2013. Mm-hmm. And then won it again in 2014. So I'd okay. say starting 2015. What did they, they go like in that a, year, though? They like six straight years. We'll say what? What did they get? Let me see this. Okay, 2013, they were 7-1 and one in the conference. I mean, I they don't were know. good those years. 2013, 2014, they were good. Like, once Deshaun Watson took over is when they became a powerhouse. This is the first year they did not win at least 10 games since, what is this, well, 2010. I mean, they still win 10 games. Huh? They still they can, still yeah. yeah. That's true. So that's what I'm saying. I just think it's kind of kind of amazing. Um, I, I think they've had an incredible, incredible run. So if you want to say Alabama, that's also fine. But we'll see because guess what? This happens to Saban all the time. Like his assistants get picked off. And one of the best things for uh, Sweeney is he's had Tony Elliott and he had Jeff Scott for a long time and Brent Venables for a long time. And now they're all gone. And we'll see because Saban, um, people get on him. But like that dude knows how to hire. That man knows how to hire. He knows how to recruit. He knows he's just the best in the business. Best of all time. We're going to see how Dabo replenishes his staff for the first time. And I think that's kind of exciting as a college football fan. I'm curious and really interested to see how he does this and who he goes after and how he how he replaces it and how he stops the bleeding on the recruiting trail. All that's interesting to me. Yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely agree with that. I um, that's That's where Nick Saban just really can't be matched. Just his ability to just 
bring in new coordinators and, and not miss a beat. And even that 2015 staff that everyone talks about so much that now Billy Napier is now a power five coach from that, from that staff, Kirby Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Everybody. It's um, preposterous. Tucker. Yeah. Um, Dan Lanning was also an offensive analyst on that team as well. <laughs> so you can just add him to the, uh, to the track record. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens here. Um, Mike Elko going to Duke. Shout out to him for throwing a dagger in Jimbo's Walter Nolan recruitment. Excited about that. Losing the DC this close to signing day. I like it. Inching closer to Knoxville. You're still, you're still got those fingers crossed for uh, Walter Nolan. I don't think it's out. I don't think it's out. I think you it's like hear, it's seventy thirty right. Texas A and M, but I I like you could talk me into sixty forty. I think it'll be yeah. close. We'll see. We got time. Roddy Garner's putting in work. Um, we got all the receivers in the world, and I just I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to sign up for this. I, like I don't know if you knew this or not, but like we're we're sports you when it comes to the Southeastern conference <laughs> and just what, like being in the building at Thompson bowling on Saturday for, um, for just the, the bloodbath that we, we did, we just dealt UNC Greensboro, one of the better, uh, small schools in, in the state of North Carolina, um, probably an NCAA tournament possible team, but you know, what we did lowest point total of any team in Thompson bowling since it opened in the late 80s and i was there i can always say i was there uh for for the bloodbath um while georgia tries to keep their head above water in every other sport tennessee's just like what if we just nailed everything what if we just had the the hype train lead us all across the board and we just dominated every sport have they nailed football yet they've nailed football like we're on the way i saw a tennessee fan like i think 10 and 2 is possible and i'm like i'll have what he's having i'm not ruling that out next year why not let's do it addison nichols gac legend in the fold kaylin webb was possible is arriving i think once they go 10 and 2 you can talk about okay now now they're good at football again but um no we're good at football we're not great at football those are two different things we were good this year this was a good football team they were solid that's yeah i'll give you that they're a good football team and if that's our weakest spot i'm not giving you all the sports like for one baseball softball women's basketball 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 outweigh everything so you gotta give alabama that right now honestly but florida florida is definitely the the all sports no what without a doubt florida is like good in everything no they're bad at basketball they just lost at home to texas baptist they're not good at women's basketball they're not as good at us at baseball this past year no you're you're using such small sample size do they have a tony vitello do they have a rick barnes do they have a josh heupel do they have a kelly harper i ask you do they have a danny white a fundraising legend already (laughs) Do they? I don't think so. You know what? Am I still hyped because I got to meet Smokey on Saturday, walking by Thompson Bowling, and what a good dog. He moves fast. Like, one of the biggest differences between him and Uga, and this is, like, a big thing with the state of Tennessee versus Georgia, and just, like, choose what... Your, you choose your words wisely here, sir. Uga is just a... He's a struggle bus. He's not mo- moving around the arena like Smokey was. He was weaving and moving around. He was tweeting. If you go check out the Ball Soups page, like, he was all over the place he was an active you're saying, pup you're saying Smokey was tweeting yeah he, he had a Smokey t- takeover I don't know if you saw that on Ball Soups on their Twitter account <laughs> so he was he was doing all kinds of stuff but Smokey's an active good dog stuff. he's in good shape 
uh well behaved yeah. no barking no howling for that for that matter sir no Smokey was great he was genuine got some pictures he let me pat his head we had a good so, moment Smokey doesn't bark uh he does he's good he's well behaved he's he, good with he people bark on command or something i feel like it seems like i want my dog barking well Ugga's barking because he's like, I, I just, uh, I don't want to move. Like, I'm good. I, I don't want to move. I want to go sleep. I want to go do my own thing. Smokey's yeah, like, never, I want to get my exercise Smokey in. Smokey come after a, an opposing player, right? Once once Smokey does that, then he can be on Ugga's level. Okay. I don't know. I saw was... some athleticism. That was, Ugga 4 had, or Ugga 5, wherever that one was, uh, he had a little bit more athleticism. The Auburn attack? Then I think Ugga 10, I think, is what we're on now. Mm. I think, um... They seem to be losing a little athleticism by the by the generation. Isn't it weird though for them? I imagine because can you like if Zeus was the mascot for North Georgia, and he just oh, had to man. be called Nigel all the time, and then he comes home and you're like, "Hey Zeus, good boy," and he's oh, like, "So true," because it was like Russ. Yeah, was one of them, and Otto I think was another one that became one of them. Was I think Russ was the interim Ugga that became mm-hmm. the full time Ugga, but yeah, that is that is kind of weird. I've I've long said that they need to, like, the Siler family, they're, like, royalty at UGA, you know, that raised the Uggas and everything. They're in Milledgeville, aren't they? Uh, I want to say they're in Greensboro, Georgia. Okay. I thought I passed them. I could have sworn when I went to GCSU for something back in our college days, our undergrad days, a long time ago, I feel like I came back and I I made a point to pass it of, like, where they're bulldog farm is i could have sworn it was like mm-hmm. um because i was but curious yeah, about it i yeah. feel like i know handsome dan mm-hmm. uh for yale they have like a legit tryout for handsome dan <laughs> i feel like that's what they need to do like the the bulldog it should be like an open tryout like the uh-huh. only requirement should just be like some sort of proof that it was born in georgia so okay it's like actual georgia bulldog right gotta have some like, in there yeah like even me i like I don't want to make this a racial thing, but what? I feel like I feel like Ugga's got to be all white, right? What? Like, those patches of brown, like that's, oh, that's Mississippi State stuff. What? So I don't want to dis- I don't want to uh, you know discriminate here, but I feel like Ugga does have to be all white. Okay. Do you disagree sure. there? I, this is a weird <laughs> hill to die on. What? But I'm just saying, like, because the Siler family, like, that's a the breed of you know that Ugga breed, like, you know, it's. It goes back a long way. So there's like a very... Who's paying know, that close attention to what kind of like off coloring he has? What? What does it matter? You don't, you don't think people are paying attention to that? Have you ever seen an Ugga that's got any brown on it? I've never paid that close attention. He's I'm an ugly dog. I don't want to look at him. It, it doesn't. Mississippi State's Bulldog has some brown on it. Like, okay. But regardless, that doesn't even matter. <laughs> it, it should just be an open tryout and the, the Bulldog should be born in Georgia. They Tori, come get your man. Athletic looking bulldog. Come like, get your man. He's just, uh, what, what? come get your man. I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what's happening here. It wasn't really racial, obviously. It's a bulldog. Yeah. <sighs> you're just, but this is like you. This is like one of the fundamental differences. Like you're, you're a stickler for like tradition and like I, I want uniforms looking this and I like, you like it being neat. You don't like the. Let's well, not... see, this is my this is my compromise. Okay. Like, to the Siler family, you know, mm-hmm. and to UGA, because obviously, like, they're never gonna change it. That family is like always gonna raise the Uggas, you know. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you had some sort of requirements, it couldn't just be an open to any bulldog anywhere, you know. Just like it was born in Georgia, and it's got the the look you want for Ugga. Like, I don't know. Like that's 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 what I've always said. They just. 
the last couple of Uggas just have been looking uh, a little a little more lethargic. Interesting. Okay. Now I want to see like their daily routine. Like, what are they feeding them? Let's get into it. Let's uh, let's break it down. What's going on there? Um, if you really, if you really want to get into like pure breeding stuff, it's just it's kind of it's a, it's a fancy word for inbreeding. <laughs> oh my god! What a podcast! This is how we put a bow on our Sunday night uh, edition. Um, Matt Green, follow you on Twitter, Matt underscore W underscore Green. We will be is doing. That, is that it? Are we all done? We're all done, man. I, I have one more thing to talk about. Okay, let's hit it. Yeah, let's go. There's a t- uh, text you sent me right before mm-hmm. we got on here. Okay. Goes with our coaching carousel oh, God. talk. What is Brian Kelly doing? <laughs> so first he's faking a Southern accent. Now there's this video. He's doing whatever he's doing. Like, I'm getting such Dan Mullen vibes from Brian mm. Kelly right now. Like, he's trying so hard to be something he's not. Like, yeah. You were this like such this no nonsense coach from Notre Dame, like that's what got you the job. Like be be you. Go just be like we're no nonsense. We want to beat people a certain way. We want to get the best players. All that. Like Nick Saban's not having to do TikTok videos and like dance and stuff with people. Like I don't know. It's just it seems so off brand for Brian Kelly. But that's just like the non serious note. The serious note. Mm. A longtime strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Been there since 2000. Like, he didn't keep him. And that's one thing, like, strength and conditioning. I'm sure you can find another good strength and conditioning coach. But Corey Raymond, the defensive back coach, Mm -hmm. guy played at LSU early 2000s, won a national championship. Like, this guy's maybe the best defensive back coach in the entire country. And this guy's going to Florida? Like, this guy played at LSU. And... He doesn't want to stay on Brian Kelly's staff or Brian Kelly doesn't want him, whatever, you know, who knows what the exact details are. But I think that's a big red flag because you got guys on LSU staff that are, you know, that have gone through multiple regimes like they're good coaches in their own right. And he already didn't get the guys from Notre Dame that he wanted. And now he's going to now he's going to drive out good people that LSU already had. I think that's. I think that's massive and also just for Florida and Billy Napier to be able to poach a big time coach like Corey Raymond from the school he played at. Um, I think that's massive. And Florida's already got a, such a strong tradition with defensive backs. I think I think that's that's probably the biggest assistant coaching hire. I feel like it's happened over the over the last couple of weeks. Like hmm. what's it? Manny Diaz to Penn State's pretty big, but I think I think Corey Raymond to Florida just because it's not only you're getting him from Florida, but you're also taking him from LSU. I think that's I think that's massive. Not a big Walt Bell to Indiana as their new OC guy, are you? <laughs> no, no disrespect there. Yeah. Um, get excited, Hoosiers. Walt Bell. Um, yeah, I don't know. And Zach Hill said no to Auburn. I'm I'm really curious to see what they do there. But yeah, I think the that could be a big thing. But he also got promoted to assistant head coach. I think uh, was part of the deal for him going to Florida, right? Uh, bigger title. Um, so I'm sure him and Napier will be like, he, he's a high ranking now guy. Like he's going to be a head coach in waiting for some other job, uh, after this one. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not worried about Florida. What I'm more nervous about with Florida is not even nervous. I'm already just ready to lose to a less talented Florida team. Um, because we have to play Florida at the beginning of every year before we get our... Like, we played Florida at the end of this past year, and we just beat the living crap out of them. But, of course, just the timing's bad. So, 
I'm excited to lose to a less talented Florida team uh, three of the next four years or something. Like, it's going to be great. Going to really enjoy it, Matt Green. Well, I thought Heupel's your guy. Why Heupel you is my guy, but it's Florida. Do I need to go back? I've watched so many Florida-Tennessee games, and it just... They're, you should not believe in that at all. So, like, when people are like, Tennessee and Georgia's not right, I'm like, mm, there's a lot of Tennessee-Georgia games that will tell you a totally different story. Tennessee Florida is way less of a rivalry <laughs> over the last 30 years. Like it's been awful. Like that over the last like 15 20, I I'll give you that. Tennessee was holding their own there for a while. A little bit. I mean, like, that was like the maybe the best rivalry in college football mm-hmm. in the 90s early 2000s. Yeah. But, but all uh, I'm saying is like it's been bad. Um and obviously Bama, but it's bad with Bama for everybody. Um yeah. All right, Matt Green. Well, I don't know how um, you can you can say they're back in football when you're still counting three automatic L's before every season. Three automatic? No, I didn't say they were three automatic. And also, those are is going away three soon. Automatic L's on the, there. The podcast is or the podcast. The pods are coming. The pods will save all of us. They're coming to save. Like we get a pod with Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and like give us. I'm Missouri. very skeptical of the pods. You are. Because, like, how are you going to decide who goes to the SEC championship? Well, those games need to be gone. Like, if we expand the playoff, that's what my hope is, is I hope we get rid of conference championship weekend. Oh, man. Conference championship weekend? You want to get rid of it? You have to. Too many games. Uh, I feel like that's just, it's going to be so important for deciding seeds, though. Mm, I don't know. I think you could do, like, a BCS thing to decide seeds. They got to do something with like some locked rivals and, you know, two best records or something. But the pods, I feel like is I think that's going to make it tough to like, well, they they played a weak pod. They played a strong pod, that kind of thing. And then if you're tied with someone in your pod, I just think like how the, the chances of ties seem so much higher if there's just four teams. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical of how all that's going to work out, but um, you know, it should be interesting for sure. I don't think there's any way we play Bama, Florida, and Georgia every year. Is all I'm saying. Like I think that's just gone after this. I think that is no longer a thing, which is important. We don't need to do. Yeah, that Georgia, Tennessee is is probably going to be one of the um, the casualties of of this most recent expansion because uh, there's going to be some of those rivalries they try to hold on to. Like hopefully they try to hold on to like Georgia and Auburn and and stuff like that. But um, there's just so many rivals in the SEC. It's it, you can't keep them all. Yeah. And then they'll just, but it maybe it makes it more special. And you got to uh, play Vanderbilt. You know, that's a heated rivalry with, with the Commodores. We run this state, Matt Green. <laughs> exactly. We run this state. Um, losing to Vanderbilt gets you fired. I like that. It's a tradition unlike any other. As, as it should. <laughs> that's, an, that's a great thing. Um, Matt Green, always a pleasure, sir. We'll be back on Wednesday with our bull picks. We're going to do confidence picks uh, for this season. Uh, you'll be putting together... Uh, the doc for that for us to work on that this week and then we got bowl games excited for that this is a chance for you to uh you know recover from your from your regular season performance oh and actually i have two uh, 20 seconds on this mike leach had a quote about like he doesn't understand why kids opt out of bowl games it's bad for the players and coaches this okay and people are gonna be like oh he's gonna back leach here what i am going to do here matt green really quickly really quickly is I saw this, and this is like something that I see on Twitter a lot, and this is why I don't use social media all that often, other than to post my stuff, is that like, there's no, I, I can't have this conversation on Twitter or anything like that, but like, we have to have this conversation where it's just like, 
all the tweets under it are like, oh, but coaches do it all the time. And then someone quote tweeted uh, with a picture screen grab of Mike Leach and leaving Oklahoma the way he did before a big game as OC to take uh, the Texas Tech job. And my whole thing is that like, it, it's so silly because I'm like, well, that's still bad too. Who's excited about Brian Kelly leaving before that? And who would have been excited about Luke Fickle having to dip out before? What rational college football fan likes coaches doing that? It's the same thing. Like two wrongs don't make a right. Like I, I don't but, know. But you're using that as saying like you're you're throwing stones from from your glass house. Like you you do the same thing. Well, so I, I understand that, and that's fair game. too. But like people opting out of bowl games sucks for fans. Like that's fair. And saying like a good player opting out when it's big for schools and they make money with the bowl ads and all that kind of stuff. Like it's a big thing. It's fun for a lot of kids. It's a great way to put a bow in a season. And it was just such an important part of college football um, for so many years. And it's just like a fundamental part of it. Like, I understand that. And it's like, it sucks for fans. Like, the Florida tobacco last year was awful. Like, there's no way to sugarcoat all those guys opting out and then it being on primetime. And if you're a Florida fan, you're like, man, that would have been cool to actually see what this game would have looked like at it. Like, a, a team we never get to play and seeing what we would have looked like full strength against them. That sucks. Like, that objectively sucks. And that's like never something that we talk about. It's just to like player, player, player. And then it's like, no, that sucks. Like, I understand, like, we have to move past the simple, dumb conversations where it's like, well, you, they don't, they don't need to put the body in the blue. I understand all that. Like, I'm not even, I'm not going against any of that. You, every, like, it's acknowledged. You can do whatever you want to do. That is fine with me. That's America. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> That's fine. No one's making that argument. The argument it is, is this good for the sport? Is it good for the fans that are sitting there and support you all year and give a lot of money to school and all this other stuff? And they're like, you know what I would like to do? See my full team that I've spent watching 12 weeks of play another team that I never get to see them play in a big bowl game. That's all we want. There's nothing wrong with saying I would prefer them to play. And if you're a coach, you're like, this kind of sucks that I don't know who's going to play and that I want this to be a cap in the year. Yeah. Will they do the same thing? Great. I understand that. No one's saying otherwise. I get that. But it would be better for college football and every single fan if they did not do that. It sucks for fans when players do this. That is not anti-player. That is just, it sucks. And it sucks for the league. It sucks for the universities. It sucks for everyone involved because it just diminishes the game. It's like you can't even take anything away from it. It's supposed to be this present at the end of the year, and it's just not for so many different teams. Like Purdue's best players might not play. I know the best defensive players not playing the Tennessee game. It sucks. No, it does suck, but when you say it as a coach, it just comes off as tone deaf because... I agree with that. Because you've done the same type thing in your career. Like, and so there's just so many coaches that have, and we all understand why they're doing it. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, maybe with the NIL stuff, like, I, see, I don't know, maybe guys won't do it as much because they are making a little money in college. But it's also like the best thing for their career is, you know, to just sit out a meaningless game. Like, we all know what can happen in football. That's why we don't have all-star football games really anymore. Like, the Pro Bowl, they basically, defense is optional in the Pro Bowl. Um, I'm sure it won't exist for another year. It only exists for another year or two. But I, um, I can't. I don't disagree with what you're saying. It does suck when when these a game like Oklahoma Florida is a matchup we never see, and the game basically means nothing, and none of the the good players are playing. But um, or at least for one side they weren't. But um, I feel like when someone like Mike Leach is saying it, 
I don't know, it just comes off as just being a little like tone deaf. That's like the best way I can say it. I agree. And that's the, me- he's the wrong messenger for it. Like that's the whole thing is he's the wrong messenger, but we need analysts to be like, and former players and stuff like that. We just need people like we need analysts to just be like, Hey, this sucks. Like this is rough. And it, kind of sucks for those kids who played with him and like and just did about but i think most of the players understand why their fellow players don't do it but as a fan which ultimately drives all the money in the sport is the fans who pack Nealon and pack samford and pack everywhere else and watch all these games ultimately this is an entertainment sport and if the entertainment dips because the opt-outs destroy bowl season then that's a problem there's less money like that that there is a fallout effect. Like there is something uh, to that. I, I I have a solution. Mm. I think the solution is to get rid of these neutral sites. I think if you gave Michigan State one more home game this year, like you can have the Chick Fil A Bowl in East Lansing, as far as I care. You know, call it the call it the Chick Fil A Bowl and play it there. But or Peach Bowl, I guess they they change it back to the Peach Bowl. But like call it the Peach Bowl and play it wherever you want. Call it the you know, the cotton bowl and play it in, play it in Baton Rouge or something. Like, I think that would be a way for like one last home game. It still feels like we're playing college football, like going and playing in the Houston Texans stadium against a team that five of their best players are out. It's like, and the the crowds at 50% capacity. It's like, that's not good for the sport. But I mean, this college football season is so short. If you get one more home game in December, like that'd be incredible. Like I, if they could do something like that, and, and I thought the same thing for playoff expansion, especially if you're you are asking for people to pay so much for these donors and everything, like and just to contribute for for season tickets and all that, and the travel involved, going to road games and SEC championships and and bowl games. Like I think just these these if you're playing if it's a 12 team playoff like you're you're asking your fans to travel that much it just seems pretty unrealistic and i think like we see one neutral sided nfl game a year in the super bowl like these college atmospheres are what make college football like more home games is just better for college football like i don't i don't know if you can make players not sit out like you can't make players uh not sit out but still having that home atmosphere it feels like this game isn't just a meaningless game in december anymore yeah that's fair that's fair um matt green we'll end it there uh make sure to follow matt uh the college football expert on this very podcast at matt underscore w underscore green i will talk to you on wednesday bull picks i'm excited yeah man had it in on a better note than that uh that ugly conversation but um <laughs> i'm excited for the bowl so the bowl pick em is just win or lose right no no spreads in the pick em? no spreads no okay that's what I was thinking. So, um, yeah, well, uh, I think we got like 12 or 13 games to pick uh, on Wednesday. So, But we're doing all um, the picks ahead for. of time. We're not going to adjust them week to week. We're, we're picking them all, early slate, do them all, and then we'll go through them week by week. Exactly. All right. Matt Green, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.